hear her from the top of the stairs just screaming her little head off so much so that she couldn't even enunciate the words coming out. So I go running up the stairs, and wouldn't you know it, the goddamn elf on the shelf is in the toilet. That sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. It really sucks. You know what else sucks? Decon. Decon does suck. But you know what doesn't suck? Or what? ways that we can make it suck a little bit less is yeah. First Line Technologies Hybrid Decon. They are absolutely revolutionizing the decon process with their bar method, which is blot, apply, and then remove using a wet or dry decon. Remember, guys, it's no more digging, no more rigging, no more hoses, no more finding large enough areas to set it all up. It's a compact little thing you can throw into your fire buggy and get it on the roll. Don't take our word for it, though. Do your own research. Do your own recon at MakeDeconSuckLess.com. Visit them at First Line Tech, where they are making decon suck just a little less. And just remember on that same note is that they have a ton of decon classes coming up. So check out their website for some uh, of their in-person stuff that is happening down in uh, Virginia, which is pretty cool. Specifically, they're training the trainers. Yeah, the, tra the train the trainers is, is good stuff. But speaking of training, um, why wouldn't you just roll the, not even a dice, but why wouldn't you come to us? You should come to us. You should come to us for all your other types of trainings. Why wouldn't they? Well, oh, why wouldn't they? Well, I could tell you why they would, right? Okay, they go would. <laughs> I mean, the list why they wouldn't is like a mile long. So we should probably focus on why they would, right? Because we deliver experience, not just boring training. Uh, we come to every single uh, training with courses that have been developed or rehabbed on a regular basis. Every course is up to date. It's a fresh take. And we include all the emerging trends, just like we do with the show. Uh, yep. Does this take a little time and effort? Absolutely. But let me tell you, it is absolutely worth it and with that we've partnered with the finest companies that will bring you the newest technologies the grant funding that you need to hook up or whatever opportunity we have available and so we will guarantee our instructors are the best in the area not yeah. that location but in the whole genre <laughs> in the whole the whole of the area and i can yeah. sound just like my father when i was a teenager where he would scream at me and go don't let your potential go untapped <laughs> i failed him but you don't want to fail yourself, okay? Choose us as your training partner and embark on this personal and professional growth journey. Contact us now uh, by visiting thehazmatguys.com forward slash hire us and reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience today. Welcome back. Part three of Modern Threats of Terror. Mm. Yes, yes. Our goal is to get you sufficiently scared because that is what the modern warfare machinery requires of us. Yeah, so um, just a couple things to get out of the way before we get wrapping. Uh, today, as of the recording, is the 12th, but tomorrow, the 13th of December, will be the Battery Destroyers, the long-awaited Battery Destroyers Club we are throwing all the data that we got from a whole bunch of battery um, explosions and testing that we did. We had Telops, Red Wave, FLIR, Teledyne, Blackline, Cellblock, all in there, emergency responders, tons of stuff, and we are going to be doing this live on Facebook and YouTube. And so we want you to come on and interact. Your questions will be live on the show, and we will answer that. And again, that will be at 1930 hours Eastern Standard Time on December 13, 2023 for you. 
And you're hearing, hearing pleasure. If you're hearing about that for the first time, clearly you have missed the podcast uh, doing yes. the Battery Destroyers. But note, it is still up there on Facebook, so you can go there and listen to it. Uh, and we also have our debut of the After, uh, after Action Report podcast, uh, which is a show that is going to uh, allow us to interview pioneers in the field of hazmat. That's going live January 3rd, 2024 at 1930 Eastern Standard Time. Our very first guest will be none other than Mike Callen. Uh, so come on in. It's live form. So you get to talk, you get to chat, you get to update. It's totally, totally free. Uh, and uh, we will be throwing your comments up on the air too. So uh, it's a good time. I'll, I'll go through these kind of quickly is that um, we've decided to extend our Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales that going to the end of the year, you can get a bunch off. So if you get 30% off your specials and technicians spe- training memberships, uh, use BLKFRI23. And if you're trying to get on our previous job, uh, New York City Fire Department, you can get five points. If you go on and take our class on that, you're just going to use the coupon code POUND1V71E at checkout, or just get it through the uh, the newsletter and stuff like that. Conferences? Dude. Conf- conferences lots. everywhere. Connecticut, Walmer, Northeast, no, the new Northeast Hazmat, OMRA, which is Ontario, Michigan, Cold Zone, South Carolina, and Mike loves bananas because I so he wrote it on the script, <laughs> and I am Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody, I, I Brian must have wrote that. that. Brian must have wrote that. <laughs> I do That's love really funny, a good Brian. banana. Mm. <laughs> Anywho, so let's talk some terror. Yeah, so we've talked in the, in the past couple episodes of the about the things that were important to us when we were first getting on the job. The things that were instilled to us that we hope. The, those learning points never actually go away. So now what has changed since then, right? So what what kinds of things can we take those lessons and apply them to? What are some of the things that the government is now saying as first responders we should be on the lookout for? Uh, and um, how do we need to manipulate the old process of thinking to enter the more modern day warfare? And one of the first things that we've noticed uh, when me and Bob look back is that the mechanism of delivery has rapidly changed um, since the 9-11 attacks. We have seen a tremendous growth in the lone wolf and as well as vehicles being used for attacks, um, <clears throat> you know, rental cars and not like bombs, just literally running people over. Um, yeah. So uh, as a result of the terrorists employing vehicles, targeting pedestrians, delivering explosive devices, um, bypassing security barriers, uh, the the need to try to reduce this potential uh, lethality mechanism from harm, uh, it is what has been kind of engrossing the security world over the past couple of years. Literally, buildings are being built around these processes. The outside landscapes of places are being uh, developed and engineered specifically for this, um, you know, the this need to protect yeah. against the the vehicle no it's it's true because i i mean i was just i was watching a building being built and they put these um i, I think they call them bolsters they put like stanchions to pretend to protect the, the the building from getting like a drive up car to come into it and you're like oh that's adorable there's a little piece of metal that's in the ground and that's probably <laughs> this thing <laughs> was so substantial it went underground it went under the sidewalk it connected to like an eye beam like you could probably hit this thing with a tank and it would yeah. laugh at you you have you seen videos on those 
like if you actually watch videos of semi tractor wow. trailers hitting those pylons that you are like you're like it's it's three inches wide what is it going to do it yeah. stops it dead in its tracks and these are all these are all great things right because we do we see them in the planning process but what happens when we try to take these lessons and we apply it to us the first responders in the field that don't have the ability to be like, okay, well, there's going to be an accident here on the LIE uh, at two o'clock. So let's get some stanchions in place, right? Like yeah. how can we take uh, the lessons that that we're learning from the pre-planned world, which is really what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to pull lessons from this and apply it to the non-pre-response realm, right? So it, like things like, um, you know, the chauffeurs making sure that the rigs are properly enveloped to the scene. So that mm-hmm. people can't just kind of drive through and and attack us. Uh, you know, this is the stuff that we have to think about as first responders. Like, how can we take all these lessons and apply it to the scenes that we're in? I like it. And that, that approach would encompass factors such as, like, creating pedestrian-friendly streetscapes. Like, even things you, – you try not to – these safety measures don't have to look gouty. They don't have to look ridiculous. Like a lot of the stuff that, and I'll speak specifically for Manhattan, they actually, if you didn't know what they were, you would never know what they were. Like, right. it looks you walk like a by and you're like, right. You're like, oh, that's a cute planter. Why? Wow, those are, those are nice tulips. And embedded <laughs> in that planter is stuff you wouldn't believe yeah, it's like is Lego. embedded in a planted. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of Legos <laughs> in there. <laughs> you know, but these things are, they adhere to certain traffic principles to hinder the hostile vehicle access. But, kind of protect pedestrians and even um, the look, the the feel of a city and it's not in, intrusive. Right, right. So again, how can we manipulate this thought process to our non-pre-planned world? Well, I think in having the thought process in mind that I want to keep not my pedestrian safe, but my, my guys coming off the rig safe mm-hmm. The command post, not in an area that isn't well protected by rigs. I think we need to really start considering kind of sealing off the rigs. And and not only that, but also maybe assigning somebody on scene to just be like, hey, listen, I, I know that you're with the rig and you would normally shuffle gear or do something, but maybe you're better off staying here and being like a lookout, being that point and then being like, hey, listen, I have somebody coming into the scene. You know, like that kind of notification might be something that is of interest to the rest of everybody on scene that you have somebody aggressively trying to to to, to make way. And, and what does all this mean for us? Well, we can view this in two specific ways, right? We can view this from the world that we were just talking about, which is the spots world. And we can also view this from the event planning world because we're starting to see more and more that Hazmat is becoming involved in these event plannings, these asset protections, uh, you know, with uh, classes like J-Hats forming uh, and, and uh, mutual response protocols starting to, to all kind of come together. Everybody's playing nicely in the in the sandbox so what are some of the things that we have to 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 look at and to overcome i i'm gonna go with my first point here but i was i remember i was sitting on one of these planning meetings once and the planning uh guy you know we were doing a fireworks show and the guy goes what about bees and i'm like what (laughs) and he goes like what happens if a beehive falls out of a tree and you have 100,000 bees running around and you have a swarm of people getting stung. And I'm like, 
what the hell is this guy thinking about? What? What? That's so random. It was so random, but I was like, I never thought about that. Like, what if a lightning storm comes through? Right? Like, you might have a lot of people stampeding and going places. The people that are involved in these planning things, please don't discount them. Because some of those ideas, I'm like, who cares? And then I'm thinking afterwards, I'm like, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, that must have happened. It's kind of that whole concept, right? If you're a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Well, us coming from a hazmat world, we are a hammer. So we view everything as a nail, but somebody else might might be a screwdriver and they see right. it as a screw. Like you really have to understand that's what's great about these joint teams is that you're seeing things from other points of view. You're responding Agreed. in ways that you would never have thought of. Yes. So my, my main point is that like in, in the world of where the listeners are, is that we should be thinking about secondary devices. I know we spent time on, uh, you know, in, in 420 and 421 talking about these secondary devices, but consider the idea that a second vehicle could be waiting for us to arrive, right? Like the first vehicle maybe triggered the event and moved along. And then the second vehicle is kind of in a parking spot waiting for us to arrive and they pull up alongside or right. something. Which, if we can take those lessons of isolating with rigs, then we have started to protect ourselves. Um, we point. can we can prepare ourselves for this uh, this vehicle, right, or lone wolf, um, by doing things that we would think of like an active shooter, right? We want to understand that the vehicle accident we're approaching may have been planned, and you could be arriving on an MCI with casualties that you would not have expected from a regular car accident, right? Somebody goes, oh, some people have been run over and you go to a park and it's three quarters of a mile of people being run over. That's really, that's your, that is not something that you would expect. Listen, we've all gone to that unsuccessful street crossing, right? But now we're talking about the unsuccessful street crossing where there's 30 different victims. So, you know, how do you make sure that you have enough training uh, for things like triage that may actually be something that you are now using and, and vitalizing. Go back, refresh on that stuff. You can't carry, right, 50 people worth of equipment on a rig or on a single ambulance. So how far away are your resources? Those need right. to start to go into play, especially if you're going to be doing, you know, if you're the couple, first couple units on scene and you're doing that triage, well, is this person going to make it? Well, my available resources are 50 minutes away. Sorry, buddy. Like, you know, I'll say a prayer with you, but I got to I got to move on to the broken leg because I can save him. Yeah. And a lot of these things are like kind of like I don't want to say truly cut and paste, but. The ball, uh, I, I will say the wheel has already been invented. And so like even my, my bee sting thing, you know, probably you can find that in the paper somewhere. You know, so if you look at the, the, the event planning, there's a lot we can do to keep the scene safe. Some of these measures can be implemented at the scene after we respond. So take a lesson that you, you can own. You can apply more than one and apply it to another. Right. We can take these lessons and kind of apply it over many deliveries sure. because it's not it's not the 
it's not just the fact that, okay, like we're creating barriers. It's understanding why and then how we can do that in, in our own world, right? And always going after that achievement of a balance between convenience, uh, which is like letting everybody kind of do what they want, right? Like even when we arrive on scene, car accident, say uh, the expressway, use that as an example. We try to balance convenience and safety. We try to keep as many of the lanes open while keeping our guys safe. That thought process needs to be in everything we attend. Because if we think about all the different stuff that we've talked about over these past couple of episodes and we start to put them together, then we need to understand that, um, yes, the public requires access, but we also need to be uh, uh, safeguarding ourselves. We need to be addressing the dynamics of the the nature of the scenario. Um, We need to understand how we're taking these things and applying them to ourselves. And again, a lot of it has to do with um, just kind of being heads up, making sure that the rigs are being parked in the right spot. And we have to understand what the threat is, because if we don't understand what each one of the threats are, we can't protect ourselves in the moment. I like that. Um, I like the, 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 the free use of rigs. And, and I would use our vehicles a lot more than let's say like an ambulance or police car if you if you haven't noticed our rigs are substantially bigger and they take a good amount more wallop before they impact anybody you think about like relative to the size of the vehicle our passenger passenger compartment is really small and protected by a lot of steel uh, as opposed to an ambulance which is kind of like a camper Uh, you drive right through those things and a cop car is a car so like, if you have these things, even thinking like uh, a vehicle that is just drunk and just crashes into you versus a, an intentional like IED kind of roadside blasting, I really want a truck company or an engine company with a huge tank of water sucking up that shock. I was, I remember, and I remember being surprised by it, but one of the first... Uh, when they started doing the, the vehicle type of, of attacks, we had a funeral shortly afterwards, a, a line of duty funeral. And I remember being really impressed by the concept of that they were taking sanders that weren't being used because it was summertime, and they were using the sanders from the sanitation department to line the roads and create a barrier. So you can literally pull these from anywhere. You just have to have um, good inter uh interagency communication you know speaking of communication we should really talk about our friends cavcom you know they have the clearest communication for challenging environments and independent of ppe that's a key component independent of ppe so they have the new talk three years 5000 which is the latest of the two-way accessory radio accessories for in-suit communications yeah, I love it because I'm super lazy, and this is a communications device that is caters to the lazy. The system is lightweight. It's compact. It requires no batteries. I can just snap it into my existing radio and SCBA system. And let me tell you, without doing any effort, it is absolutely the clearest communication device on the market, hands down, period. Yeah, talk through your ears, 5,000 keeps your required components to a minimum. All you need is your radio, Cavcom's oversized push-to-talk control unit, and the universal fit ear set. It's that simple. So check that out there. Uh, check out their website. And uh, when you're buying it, tell them that you we sent you. Check it out. 
So one of the things that we are trying to minimize is the um, the amount of unscreened cars near intended targets and enhanced pedestrian safety, right? You're trying to minimize that. And I'm not going to say that's a strictly fire or strictly police. It's an everybody thing, right? It's kind of like, uh, you know, right after 9-11, I remember uh, the Port Authority came up with that slogan, if you see something, say something, which is the simplistic brilliance because it puts everybody in the play. Right. You know, like right. everybody, the, 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 the parking agent, the school zone, crossing guard, everybody. So if you see something that's a little bit out, we can use this to determine like buffer zones and, and standoff distances and add protection for pedestrian. And when I say pedestrian, I'm thinking more of like the civilians that are kind of like the, the ooglers and the rubberneckers. And but also our people that are exposed and not protected by a vehicle or something. Yeah. Now, this may be really hard to take. And this next thing may be really hard to take and apply to the the non preplanned world. OK, but the planned world is definitely concerned about something like a, a V-bed, a vehicle borne improvised explosive device. Now, why is this a difficult thing to establish on the non-preplanned world? Well, we just don't have literally the assets to be able to work the scene that we have in front of us as well as work the area outside of the scene. So there are some lessons that we can take from the outs from like events planning and apply it to non-event, non-preplanned events. Taking an explosive and putting it in a car and then having people out there to try to identify it before they get too close to the scene, that's that's really not something that 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 I can see as being useful. No, and, and and the thing is, is like you can't you can plan as much as you want. You can have strategic elements like we were saying, like planter boxes that aren't really planter boxes and like bollards to serve as additional safeguards. And I know uh specifically in New York City, they have those things located so that Every area is kind of like in a almost like an Excel spreadsheets where they you can't really go to the next cell. Everything's kind of like in a grid where you can only right. move. You have that to box. zigzag. Yeah, you have to zigzag, which takes out a lot of the stuff. So this would do a good job of preventing unex, uh, unauthorized vehicle intrusion and expanding standoff distances. However, you can't just drop planters off in the middle of your scene. No, you, you definitely can't just drop planters off in the scene, right? But if we take and we try to like think of the lesson and then apply it to the scene, right? That's like what, what we're looking to do. We're thinking of the lesson, applying it to the scene. So what what ends up effectively happening with the way Bob said to structure stuff out in that offset grid pattern is basically it doesn't allow for free run in a straight right. line from one spot That's the to key. another. That's the key, right? So you're like, okay, yeah, but I don't have planters on scene. Like, how does this affect me? Well, why don't you think about how you can now set those rigs up? Where if you're in the center of the scene, you should be able to look 360 degrees and see no direct path for somebody to go. Like, you're you're staggered in such a way that maybe you know if if I could do a visual here maybe one rig is here and one rig is is here well now I can't drive from here to there in a straight line like I can't get a vehicle in there so these are the types of things that get thought about now can we do that 
uncoordinated? No, probably not, right? We probably need to to have somebody on scene who's coordinating and saying, hey, listen, uh, engine, you know, 233, why don't you move back this way? Just place this here. Uh, and is can it be done at all scenes? No, probably not. But we can do the best we can to take these planned concepts and apply them to our our pre-planned world. Yeah, and even even doing things like, and we'll think about roadways versus static locations is that if you're on roadways, I mean, people are looky-loos and they, uh, you know, you, you're thinking to yourself, well, it's 5 p.m., you know, in the evening and people are looking over their shoulder. Well, some people go out after drink, after work and have a drink, you know, and they that, that reduces their ability to stop. So sometimes you can employ like traffic, traffic calming measures, uh, such as like, you know, on the back of when they're doing road work and they have the last truck is like the dump truck with that, uh, what do they call it? The traffic calming blocker. It's uh, traffic. What, is, is it that, that big thing that yeah, absorbs like, an like impact? A bridge okay. thing that goes down. And uh, they call it, I think they call it a softback. And basically you can run into the back of the thing. It just makes a big, you know, like a, like a, like a, <laughs> like a clown nose kind of thing. Now, now I'm going to try that. Yeah, just sit into it. It's fun. <laughs> so, all right, again, but you may sit there and go, okay, that's great, right? What? How can we? How can we apply that to to our world? Well, our world. How can we slow down traffic? How can we do these things that are going to minimize the amount of vehicles around us? This is where we start to communicate with the PD when we block off roads, right? Maybe we take that barrier of of isolation distance and we apply it out in all directions by another block. And then we're slowing traffic down. The PD has a chance. If you have somebody who's going to clearly do something, you at least have a little bit of time for the PD to notify and be like, I got somebody coming through. Everybody hunker down. So is it going to eliminate stuff off the bat? No, absolutely not. You know, but that cop can also be sitting there and looking at suspicious behavior uh, of the occupants in any kind of vehicles. They can sense something that might be just a, a, a little bit off. Is it going to be set up like an events plan screening where the car is being checked before it's gone through? No, but you would be able to at least have an idea of something very, very strange or off about a vehicle is coming through. Uh, maybe somebody has missing license plates. Maybe they see devices sitting in the back of the car. Maybe the person just seems really, really out of sorts. Uh, this is how we can take and apply creating a safe scene to our world. Now, I think we're going to wrap it up there and we'll come back and do the part four. Because we've got a little bit more left to do. I don't think we can stuff it all in here. All right. So sounds we'll good. see you guys shortly.